It's Saturday, March the 28th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Boris Johnson has COVID-19 and Congress passes stimulus bill. First, the week in brief. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, became the first world leader to test positive for COVID-19. His symptoms are said to be mild and he will self-isolate in his flat in Downing Street while continuing his duties. Britain's Health Secretary Matt Hancock has also caught the virus and is in self-isolation, as is Chris Whitty, England's Chief Medical Officer, who has said he has symptoms. Other senior government figures with whom they have been in close contact will now be monitored. The number of deaths due to COVID-19 rose sharply in Western Europe, setting new daily records in Britain, France, Germany, Italy and Spain. ISTAT, Italy's official statistics institute, produced the first significant economic data on the damage lockdown is doing to the country's economy, which show confidence among business people and consumers falling precipitously. America's House of Representatives gave its final approval to a $2 trillion stimulus bill to offset the economic destruction of the COVID-19 pandemic, and President Donald Trump signed it into law. America now has more than 100,000 confirmed infections, more than China or any other country. Hospitalizations in New York surged by 40% in a single day. 100 patients died. Donald Trump and his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping discussed the COVID-19 pandemic in a phone call. Tensions have been high as Mr. Trump has insisted on calling SARS-CoV-2 the Chinese virus and accused China of withholding information about its spread. But the two sides offered mutual support. Mr. Xi assured Mr. Trump that China had been open about COVID-19 from the beginning. Mr. Trump also invoked emergency powers dormant since the 1950s to force General Motors to speed up its plunge into the manufacture of medical ventilators for use in hospitals. GM and a new partner, Ventec Life Systems, had been wasting time with negotiations, the president complained. He said America will make or buy 100,000 ventilators in the next 100 days. Following a similar move by British regulators, the European Securities and Markets Authority gave companies listed in the European Union more time to file their reports because of the disruption caused by the spread of COVID-19. The stock market regulator told member states to allow an extra two months for full-year accounts or a month for half-year accounts. India's central bank cut its benchmark interest rate to 4.4%, its lowest ever. The move came amid increasing concern about the economic effects of the country's 21-day lockdown imposed to help arrest the spread of COVID-19. The bank will also inject 3.7 trillion rupees, $49 billion of liquidity into the financial system. And editor's note, The Economist is making some of its most important coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic freely available to readers of The Economist today, our daily newsletter. To receive it, register online at our website. And now, here's today's agenda. Close to home, the all-too-topical vivarium. Whether it is the very best film to watch at the moment, or the very worst, Vivarium, now available on digital platforms, is all about how nightmarish it is to be stuck in a house with your immediate family. The second chiller from Lorcan Finnegan, an Irish director, this creepy satire stars Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg as an ordinary young couple who are trapped in an endless, labyrinthine housing estate. 
The only other inhabitant is a baby whom they are forced to raise, so their internment becomes a bleak parody of suburban domesticity. Despite the film's eerie supernatural elements and David Lynchian surrealism, the characters are not in any physical danger. In Finnegan's cynical view, being in lockdown with your nearest and dearest is already the stuff of horror movies. Viewers can only hope that they do not come to agree with him in the weeks ahead. Basket Case – The Scheme It is the sort of story that lends itself to a television documentary. At a press conference in September 2017, June Kim, then the acting United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York, announced charges of fraud and corruption against ten people involved in college basketball. It was the biggest criminal case in the history of collegiate sports, the product of an FBI investigation lasting years and involved universities, sponsors, financial advisors and managers. At its heart was Christian Dawkins, an aspiring agent who in two trials was convicted of funneling money to athletes' families, forbidden by college basketball's amateurism rule, encouraging them to sign with particular programs and bribing coaches. Mr Kim said the case exposed the dark underbelly of college basketball. The Scheme, a new documentary by HBO, depicts the events as Mr Dawkins sees them. Using interviews and previously unseen footage, it argues that justice is not yet done. Plies in a pandemic, virtual dance classes. The phrase, dance like nobody's watching, has taken on a new meaning. The spread of COVID-19 is forcing professional and amateur dancers alike to get creative in their daily workouts. Trips to the studio or a group class are now prohibited, but live streaming provides a way to connect and break a sweat. Two principal dancers from the American Ballet Theatre have started hosting regular classes on Instagram. Using their kitchen counters as makeshift bars and armed with pop playlists, James Whiteside and Isabella Boylston take their audience, which can number in the tens of thousands, through counts of plies, passes and pirouettes. Hashtag the Cindy's Ballet class, as the two have christened their lessons, is not the only virtual class on offer. Wannabe ballerinas can take salsa or tap with Debbie Allen, one of the original stars of fame, or find kid-friendly online classes at local studios. The virus may have shut down performances, but the show goes on. Playing cephalopod, squid edit their own genes. Squid, like their cousins octopus and cuttlefish, are laden with special abilities. They change colour, shoot ink, and are highly intelligent to boot. A paper in Nucleic Acids Research, a journal, describes yet another squid superpower. They edit their own genetic information. Hitherto, it was thought that in animal cells, genetic editing was confined to the cell's control centre, the nucleus. ADAR2 is an enzyme involved in splicing, the process in the nucleus which creates alternative versions of a protein. But when researchers looked for ADAR2 in long-fin inshore squid, they found it was much more prevalent in squid's axons, nerve cell fibres which carry electrical signals, than their nuclei. This means squid are doing the modifying outside the nucleus, allowing them to adjust the way their protein functions more finely. In humans, axon dysfunction is implicated in disorders of the nervous system such as Parkinson's. Squid-style engineering could be applied to new disease therapies. Not Too Beastie – The Beauty and the Terror Do not let the lurid title mislead you. This is serious, though entertaining, history. 
Catherine Fletcher, a historian, aims to offer a more nuanced and wide-ranging picture of Italy in the days of the High Renaissance. Her central point is that while Leonardo, Michelangelo and Raphael were producing many of the greatest works in the Western artistic canon, their compatriots were busy slaughtering and being slaughtered by interloping foreigners and each other in the so-called Italian Wars. The fighting began in 1494 when Charles VIII of France marched across the Alps and continued to do so at intervals until 1559. The wars involved the French, Germans, Spanish, Swiss and even a few English folk including Thomas Cromwell. The beauty and the terror casts a spotlight onto much which is often overlooked in this period, including the emergence of a handful of women as artists, writers, orators and even martial leaders of note. An engaging and not too gory read. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Virginia Woolf, who died on this day in 1941. One cannot think well, love well, sleep well, if one has not dined well. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. <laughs>